It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's uh, six minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning into the Forum at Eight. And uh, this morning, uh, we're discussing a very, very in- important subject. The South African public has been given more time, and I think rightly so, uh, to continue making submissions on the proposed new law to stop hate crimes and hate speech. Now, the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development says that due to public and stakeholder interest, the deadline for submissions and inputs to the prevention and combat of hate crimes and hate speech bill has been extended from the 1st of December 2016 to the 31st of January 2017. Now, the idea is to ensure that once passed into legislation, the bill will reflect the collective wisdom of the country. The prevention and combating of hate uh, crimes and hate speech bill uh, will create offences for several forms of discrimination, including that which is done on the basis of race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, and nationality. So this morning, we're going to try and unpack this. And I think let's use it as a platform, you know, a a basis for having a real authentic discussion about the issues that are bedeviling this country at the moment. When it comes to issues of race, should we then have legislation in place to deal with with our inability seemingly to overcome our racial uh, hatred, if that indeed exists, because others will say, in fact, that is, you know, a red herring. We, we're actually doing quite well when it comes to race relations in South Africa. Yeah, there are some people who hold that view. So what are your views on this? And what do you make? What sort of input would you like to make when it comes to this particular bill? And examples are always welcome. You know, also, if you're aware of any comparative studies elsewhere and how those have panned out, you're most welcome to join in as well. 891 that's the call-in number, the lines open. Nice and early this morning because we want to hear your views on this. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Please use the hashtag AM Live and uh, you can send me an email to Sakina at SAFM.co.za. Okay, so we've brought in uh, quite a few people to uh, help us with this discussion this morning. Uh, Sonia Bornman, who is the chairperson of the Hate Crimes Working Group, uh, who's in our C Point studios. Thanks for your time this morning, Sonia. Thank you so much. And uh, we have in studio with us uh, Mark Banks is a comedian because this is going to impact on uh, comedy as well and satire. Thanks for coming through. I think so. I nearly didn't get in because I didn't have ID. <laughs> this is a national <laughs> key point, Mark. National Don't key you know point. that? I've got it in here before <laughs> without ID. That's how I used to get my television sets. Oh, well, it is now a national key point. Please Good bring your ID along. Okay, thank you. All I right. Know. Great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and also in studio with us is Terry Oakley-Smith, founder of Diversity Change Management Consultancy. Thanks for coming through. It's a pleasure. Good morning, Sakina. And as I said, the lines are open. You can start calling 0891-104-208. Uh, Sanya, let me start with you. If we look at how we are currently dealing uh, with hate crimes and hate speech, uh, which is for the most part dealt with in a civil manner um, through civil litigation, why isn't that effective. Sakina, I think that I would like to start by saying that, um, you know, as the Hate Crimes Working Group, we're very excited that this bill is open for public comment. 
Um, and unfortunately, though, we feel that the hate speech issue um, is kind of overshadowing the, the, the importance of the hate crime issue. And to us, these two things are very separate. The hate crimes... Uh, provision in the bill deals with something that is already a crime in South African law, but that is motivated by by prejudice or by hate and so on. And so we feel that that's a very important thing to regulate uh, through the criminal justice system and through the criminal courts. We are not convinced that the criminalization of hate speech is necessarily going to take us anywhere better in South Africa. We're not convinced of the transformative value of having um, a hate speech provision as part of our criminal law. We think there might be better ways to deal with that. So why aren't you convinced about it? Well, we think that, you know, once you begin to criminalize speech, um, you, you are potentially dealing with a very slippery slope. Um, in terms of freedom of expression. And specifically, um, if we look at the provision currently in the bill, which is um, Section 4, where the offense of hate speech is set out, it is very, very wide. Um, If we look at the definition of communication in the bill, um, it is likewise very wide, even going so far as to include... um, gestures. And so um, we see this this offense of hate speech covering um, private communications as well as public communications. So we really feel that this this section is extremely, extremely wide and might well be um, unconstitutional. Jerry, what's your view on that? Well, I'm afraid I don't agree. I mean, I think that we've been needing um, a hate crimes and a hate speech bill for a very, very long time. Um, 22 years. I mean, I know I work in this area, Sakina. My company, Diversity, deals with issues of change, of race, of gender um, on a daily basis. And I'm disappointed to see how very little has changed over the last 20 years that I've been working in this area. I mean, there's still a sense that people can get away with impunity um, using the most vile language. And, you know, I sit here as a white person. I think for a black person hearing the K-word, for example, it's extremely painful. And I think that the hate speech, yes, with all all the problems that, that come with the bill that we've had outlined to us, I still think it's extremely necessary. It's not enough. It's not enough to just... Um, put people in jail or whatever. There needs to be a whole slew of other things that go along with this be- this bill. There needs to be much improved communication. There needs to be a real desire from institutions and organizations to educate their people and to understand better what it's all about. But certainly, I think it's extremely necessary. Are there examples elsewhere in the world where you've had legislation uh, to deal with hate speech and hate crime? And and, and do we know how that has worked, Terry? I'm I'm not aware of any, but I can think of, for example, the United States, where they refer to the N-word as being um, (coughs) hate speech. Uh, But like, as with all hate speech, it's the context in which it's said, it's between who it's said, that really makes a difference. And I think it's those nuances that this bill really needs to address. Um, I mean, if we hadn't had, if we don't have a hate speech, the kind of things that your Penny Sparrow said at the beginning of the year, that your Matthew Turnison said, that your Judge Mabel Janssen said, would would have gone completely unnoticed. And now people feel able to discuss these things and the people feel very strongly that there should be 
some punishment. The trouble is, Sakina, that racism is not just about attitudes and what people say. It's firmly entrenched. And listening to your show this morning, listening about farm workers, their conditions, listening to the minimum wage at 3,500 rand, you know, one can't help but be completely shocked that we're living in a country with such deep inequalities and such deep racial inequalities. And so I do think that anything that can do more to make South Africans, and let's be honest, white South Africans, aware of the dangers of racism and the pain they cause through idle words is very important. Mark Banks, uh, do you think uh, that this would be an effective way um, to basically sanction, to remedy some of the hate expressions that we do contend with in this country? I do. I think laughter... Um, you know, comedians have a very, very difficult um, job uh, description when it comes to making everybody laugh. When you walk into a room, when you walk into a corporate function, or when you walk into an audience, and there is everybody in the audience from South Africa. South African audience these days comprises everybody from everywhere, all ages, all colours, all religions, all creeds, um, all different political um, diversities. I don't know what one actually would say to them to make them laugh, but we do. Um, and comedy in this country, the fastest growing industry in the country, after uh, security, um, security fencing and security uh, paraphernalia <laughs> that goes with it, comedy is the, is the biggest growing industry. There are more comedians now than ever in the history um, of South Africa, which I think is a very, a very healthy um, situation that we're in. We have young comedians who have come out of out of the townships who are, who are 18, 19 years old. And they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, hit the nail on the head, saying what is going on, saying as it is, um, which I think is very, very important in putting us, in, in bringing us together, in, in all laughing at our different um, aspects of life. But it's a, always a very, very, very fine line of how far you can go. When does it go fall into the arena of hate speech? But by simply saying there was a... And there was an Indian woman standing on the bridge. Is that hate speech? Is that no? Uh, no, that's not. When you say there's an Indian doctor standing on the bridge, nobody thinks it's a woman. Um, but you stereotypically, you just think, mm. well, uh, if it's an Indian doctor standing on the bridge, it must be a man. Um, so we have a lot of those things which we still have to barriers which we have to break through and grow up with. I think comedy has become one of the stitches of bringing us all together. I mean, when you see David Cowd doing Blacks Only, um, which he does every year, where he, mm. I think he placed about three, 4,000 people, and there's everybody from everywhere, all absolutely falling off the chairs, laughing at each other and each other's cultures and languages and phobias and fears and uh, cultural and ethnic issues. Um, so I think... When you bring in a hate speech, or where you have a bill which says you cannot decree anyone by uh, their colour, by their religion, by their race, blah, blah, blah. In a way, I think you you could be outlawing comedy. No, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say uh, people are decreed according to their race, gender, language. It says there are particular forms of speech which have a legacy in our country which are painful to groups, and those words should be outlawed. Those expressions should be outlawed. It doesn't say you can't refer to people on the basis of that. And I think that comedy is extremely good. The problem with comedy is it's funny in a comedy setting, 
Yes. But let's not give people the sense that to, to say the kind of things that comedians can say and get away with is okay when you're in the workplace, for example. So so this speaks to the complexity of this particular situation because, um, you know, it also means that we need to go and dig down and try and um, actually differentiate between hate speech and prejudice and, and, and all those kind of definitions that we then need to break down and describe. But, of course, um, I want to hear from you. The lines are open. And we're joined now by Ernst Roots uh, of Afri Forum, who's on the line to us. And thanks for your time this morning. Thank you very much. So what is AfriForum's take on uh, these proposals? Well, I think firstly uh, we should recognize that in South Africa there already is a lot of legislation and a proper legal framework in place that can deal with these type of statements. We have the Equality Act, uh, the Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act. We have uh, Section 16 of the Constitution, particularly Section 16.2, which says that hate speech does have, or freedom of speech at least, does have certain limitations. And, of course, incitement to commit a crime in itself is already a crime. So uh, we are very concerned that this bill, the way it has been drafted, will put an, a completely unnecessary uh, restriction on freedom of speech because what it essentially does is it, it's trying to prevent offensiveness. It's trying to prevent uh, people from saying things that other people find offensive based on some of those grounds. And... and um, you cannot say that we live, you cannot create a country because I know government is trying to create a certain type of country. You cannot create a country or a society in which people are never offended, but at the same time claim that, that the right to freedom of expression is, is protected. Because freedom of expression is essentially a, about what is called the marketplace of ideas. What that means is that you should be able to go to this marketplace, you should be able to get ideas from people who you disagree with. But I am concerned about the type of statement that we hear from, from government side. Um, the N-word in the USA, for example, is not hate speech. I'm not even sure why that example was, was mentioned. Um, but we are very concerned about also the examples that was mentioned in this, in this uh, discussion already. We heard about Penny Sparrow. We heard about uh, Tienison, Matthew Tienison, and we heard, heard about Mabel Janssen. These people made derogatory statements about black people. And, yes, I agree that those statements are racist. But we didn't hear, for example, about Luvuyu Mendiwa, who was an SRC member. He was actually a person who had influence, who said that he intends to kill white people with a bazooka. So we are concerned that there will be political double standards in the application of this, in, of this law and it, that it will not be beneficial to social cohesion and it will not take the country forward. Well, I want to bring in some of our listeners at this point, 0891-104-208. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll open up the discussion and take it forward. Should we be curtailing uh, freedom of expression in order to deal with some of the racist and hateful expressions that we contend with on a daily basis? The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And this morning, uh, we are unpacking the proposed new law to stop hate crimes and hate speech. So what is your view on all of this? Do you think that this law will actually help us? Will it enhance uh, race relations in South Africa? Will it, uh, you know, take care of people's attitudes, uh, their prejudices and uh, Ernst makes an important point where he talks about uh, people not having a right not to be offended. But, of course, there's limits to everything. So where do we draw that line? What are your views on all of this? KGM in Mangaung, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your, your listeners and your guests. Uh, Sakina, my view is that I think we've become to a sensitive nation or a people to the point where we are actually breaking almost everything out of proportion. Of course, there is hate speech. But I listen to us talk, converse, and discuss as a, as a people, as a nation. There's words or even names that one cannot even mention these words. I mean, these days, if somebody was to say, Sakina, you're a black person, already people jump into this frenzy of you trying to be racial. You can't say to an Africana, you're an Africana. You can't say to a, 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 a mixed race or colored person, you're a colored person. You, I think the, those insinuations are the ones or that, that understanding is, is, is the one that is perpetuating a problem about ra- uh, the hatred uh, in as far as racist concern. But here's another uh, flip side of the coin for me. You, you have a panel right now, Sakina, mm. which is very problematic for me. When we discuss these things, I would, I would think really, you, 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 you guys, I mean media in general, you try to balance the, 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 the notion, especially understanding where we come from as a nation. Mm. We are almost having a situation where every single time it sounds as if we are asking white people to explain things that we know or things that we can participate in, as if they are the only ones who have a better explanation. We can have a situation like that, Sakina. Balance the equation, get, when we're talking hate, hate or race, racial issues, have a black person there, have an Indian there, have, have a colored, and so forth, so that we don't have a notion of listening to white people explaining pain of a black person when they don't have a clue of how pain, or a black person explaining the pain of a white person. We need a balanced representation, Sakina. I take that point completely, KGM in Mangaung. Thanks for the call. Bonagele and Kailicha, good morning. A very good morning, Sakin, and good morning to your guests. Morning. Morning. Uh, you know, I hear people talking about Penis Taro. Yeah, they tend to forget about uh, this cartoonist, Zapiro, and the other cartoonist as well. Uh, you know, I, I fully support this hate speech to be criminalized. You know, talking about Zapiro, I want them to talk about these people such as Zapiro and others. Because they tend to be saying, no, these people, you know, they, they are doing their freedom of speech by doing those drawings, which are very ugly with people that are getting and stuff like that. I want them to explain regarding this Zapiro cartoon and, and other people. Forgetting about people saying things out of the mountains, this and that, you know. What about these Zapiro people and other cartoonists as well? Thank you very much. But I fully support this. Okay. 100%. Thank Thanks, Bonagele, supporting uh, these proposed uh, rules. And then uh, Jenny in Somerset West, what's your view? Hi, uh, Sakina, and morning to your panel. Um, mm. Sakina, I would be in support of, of, of the bill, but I, I get the impression that it's only white people who are the racists. For example... When Penny Sparrow likened uh, black people to monkeys, there was a huge outcry, and she got a 150,000 rand fine, and um, a black man stands up and says, the ANC should treat white people the way Hitler treated the Jews, 
and that the children of those white people should be burnt and their ashes used for fertilizer. But we never heard any follow-up, no fine, no nothing against him. So it is obvious to me that whenever this business of racism comes up, it's always the whites who are the racists. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jenny and Somerset West. Salim in Durban, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your guests. You know, one must bear in mind that in South Africa, we've gone a long way to heal the rift. You know, there's a lot of harmony, peace, and people are living together and getting along well. However, there are cases where people are in the extreme, and particularly there's a rapid in the world with the right-wingers. Now in America, they've got this alt-right-wingers and other parts of the world. It is concerning because it disrespect, they show disrespect to the human race, particularly when you're not a particular race. So, you know, it, a, a legislation where that could put people on, in check so they cannot, you know, go and degrade people to the extent it, it is beyond our you know, dignity. So I think it's a good thing. And I also see that, you know, in many instances, instances Muslims are also being a target of racial attack and they've been called names and ridiculed and, uh, you know, and tried to they are embarrassed and things like that. So I think that the law itself must also protect, you know, religious groups as well, so that you know they also will, will feel protected from these kind of things. So a legislation like this can do good for the country and bring about more harmony. Well, thank you, Salim. And of course, uh, many messages also coming through on this. Uh, Tiro Makuru saying social cohesion, although fostered in some way or another, should be encouraged, not police. You can't outlaw attitude. Uh, Chief Kiddy says uh, we have to be careful uh, to allow uh, to also not allow uh, comedy or comedians to be racist while hiding behind the atmosphere of laughs. Um, at Steph, Gareth says, SK, I'm just worried about being called an ape or a monkey or any other derogatory word. Let the bill be passed as soon as possible. Um, at Spiwo says, Criminal, uh, criminalizing everything in life is proof that politicians are incapable of resolving issues. Judges are now forced to run South Africa. Jonathan Erasmus says hate, hate speech laws have the potential to be massively abused and an infringement on free speech, a slippery slope to 1984. And Thorny says hatred is an emotion. Uh, it is, even, is it even possible to legislate against someone's emotions? And Kakisha Moeng says for the first time in the 300 years of uh, this country will have a law that actually protects the natives. Let it be criminalized. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. And thanks for tuning in to the Forum at 8 this morning. Uh, we're basically having a platform to discuss um, submissions for the proposed new law to stop hate crimes and hate speech. Now, the uh, deadline has been extended from December the 1st, uh, 2016 to the 31st of January 2017. And we want to hear what your views are on this. Um, should uh, this bill be passed? Uh, it, it does seem like a fait accompli at this point. Uh, but of course, your views still matter. And I think this is why. 
why the deadline has been extended. Uh, so we're talking about how this impacts and, of course, how we would like to have it impact in a more meaningful way such that do we ultimately want it to alter people's um, way of interacting with one another, Terry? What exactly are we after here? I actually think we do, Sakina. I mean, I think that white privilege is alive and well in South Africa. You don't have to go, in, you, you can't go into a school, into a university, or into a business. It's alive and well. That sense that white people have it. We are privileged. It's, it's just by virtue of the color of our skin. Now, what I think needs to happen, I I think this bill is very important and we should all make an effort to contribute to its final form. But I think there's a huge need for South Africans still to get to know each other. I mean, how many times do you go to a social function and actually see people integrating with one another across the race groups? Mm. Maybe you have a very particular group of friends. Only 18% of South Africans... um, mingle or socialize I should say across races and I would imagine that comedians do too but it's very very unusual so one of the things we need to do and one of the things that my company diversity does is try and get South Africans together to dialogue about some of these things now we're beset with this problem Sakina that companies think that they only need to take their employees for half a day or sometimes two hours and that the ills of the last hundreds of years of colonialism and apartheid can be dealt with in a nice little sugar-coated two-hour pill. So unless we take these things very seriously, unless we give them time in schools, universities, businesses, churches, to really get to the nub of the problem, to unpack what we've had to go through, what black people have had to go through for all these years. We're not going to make any changes. So the education of our people is paramount. And I think that should go hand in hand with the hate speech bill. Let me come to Sanya, you know, uh, to respond to that. And also, um, do you believe that that is something that we can legislate for? Will that have the desired impact? Sakina, um, I, I think I, I really agree with, with what Terry has said. I think that as South Africans, we indeed do not know each other well enough. We don't understand each other well enough. And I think that for a long time, uh, there's been a, a failure of leadership in terms of how explaining to us how to do that as South Africans. How do we, how do we, um, how do we bridge those gaps? And I think what Terry's company does is, is very valuable. Um, but when it comes to, to, to this bill, um, and specifically the offense of hate speech as it's set out in, in Section 4, I really want to encourage people to go and look at it. Go and read what exactly it says and how it is worded. And I think that on an actual reading and a, and a, and a, and a proper sort of uh, think about, about this section, there is just immense potential here for, for this provision to end up working against um, many of the people who it's, it's meant to protect. If we think about um, 
an employment relationship, for example, and Terry mentioned uh, the example of, of, of farm workers this morning, the, the discussion that took place on, on the show earlier um, around farm worker conditions. Imagine a fight breaking out between um, a white farm owner and a, and a black worker and um, the white farm owner, I don't know, hurls a, ra- a racial slur and the Or buries him in a coffin. Or buries him mm. in a coffin, yes. And the, and the black farm worker says something back or, or, or does something back or throws a punch. Then, you know, who, who is more likely to, to be criminalized in that sort of a, a scenario? Is it going to be um, the person with all of the privilege and access to, 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 uh, to legal advice and attorneys? Or is it going to be the person who is dependent on the farm worker for his or her employment um, and is going to be, um, you know, someone who's unlikely to want to go to the police who might feel that they are going to lose their job if they do so? Um, and so, and that's why for us there's a big difference between this hate speech provision and the hate crimes provision. So the hate crimes provision, I think, is something that is extremely important. We have to deal with, with things like a corrective rape. We have to deal with the incident of, of putting someone in a coffin. I mean, it's outrageous. Um, but I would like to also point out that Penny Sparrow would not be going to jail um, under this offensive hate speech because there has to be an intention and that's going to be very mm. difficult to prove. And so Penny Sparrow um, very clearly said, I didn't mean any offense. You know, and so how, then, how do you then prove that she intentionally advocated hatred or demonstrated a clear intention to incite or stir up violence? So it's unlikely that this offensive hate speech would have landed Penny Sparrow in jail anyway. That's an interesting point, you know, having to prove intent, because if you don't know in 2016 that calling people monkeys is offensive and, you know, it has racist connotations, then where have you been living? No, for sure. But the point is, like, all she has to do is say, I didn't mean it. And then the onus falls on the state. Remember, in a criminal, um, in the criminal law and in the criminal context, the state has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there was an intention. And that's why we think that maybe the Equality Act might be a better way to deal with hate speech in particular, because in terms of PEPUDA or the Equality Act, that onus is reversed. All that the, the, the claimant has to do is to prove on a prima facie basis that there was discrimination. And then the onus shifts to the respondent to show that there wasn't. So, you know, it's those subtle legal things that, that, that make me skeptical about, about the hate speech provision. Are you saying, therefore, Sanya, that what we have already, the way in which we are dealing with it currently, is sufficient? Well, I mean, I think that's what we need to be talking about. And, um, you know, and again, that's why I would urge people to go and look at the actual wording of the section. If we feel, as a, as a country, that the Equality Act is not enough, and criminal urea, the, the, the criminal offense of, of um, criminal urea is not enough, and we feel we do want to have a hate speech, speech provision, then we need to see how can we make this existing hate speech provision in this bill better? How can we draw it tighter? How can we make it um, work in the way that we, we want it to work? And we need to think very carefully about abdicating our responsibility for transformation to the criminal justice system. And uh, as Terry pointed out earlier, it's never enough just to have criminalization. There is so much more that, that needs to be done. And, and I think that we need to be a lot better at that stuff.
And Sroots, let me bring you in. You know, when Terry talks about white privilege and owning that, and, and, and for the most part, you know, when, when I, let, let me speak about myself, you know, listen uh, to white people and when you talk about white privilege, it tends to become a very sore point uh, where people don't want to own that. Do you ever have racist thoughts in the course of a day or a week where something happens in the traffic or in a situation where, I mean, not that you would vocalize it or scream and shout it, but just inside? No. Not at all. Not racist. Not, no. Not at no. all. When you think no. privileged, white, no. rich, or... No. I would not. be, you know, that sod in that car. Yes. But my, 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 my first instinct is not to think of it in terms of race. Race. Yeah. Age. Absolutely sex. not. No. In the floods the other day, there was the most wonderful moment where with everything that is going on um, in our country now, in the middle of it all, somebody decided we needed a flood, um, which we got. I think, was, was it last week we had the flood? At, the whole of Galulis was, was flooded. It was just a flash flood. Two, two meters of water fell in something like five and a half minutes. And there was a human chain. People got out of their cars because they had to. They stood on their roofs because they had to, otherwise they would have drowned. And at one one um, moment, they all started holding hands. They formed a human chain to walk up the hill to get out of the water. And it was quite touching to see that everybody, when they all had to pull together, in that moment, there and then, they did. And it was just a very, very touching sight to, mm. to see a country pulling together. And we're stuck in this quagmire at the moment. We all have to get out of it. And, of course, South Africa has a, a, a brilliant natural resiliency to, to get out of But why can't we see the broader things. societal quagmire that we find ourselves in then and try to find our way out of that by helping each other? And so I want to hear your view on this. We seem to be going backwards somehow. Why? I don't know. I really, really don't know. There is more rage and pent-up frustration and anger and bitterness and horror at the moment than we've had in the past 30 years. And I think age has a lot to do with it as well, Sakina. I think we now have a, young, a generation of young black South Africans who are not prepared to put up with what their parents had to put up with. Absolutely. And their anger is beginning to fuel and build. And I really think we need to be very aware of it. I mean, if I think back to, to, to the 70s and 80s and involved in the struggle in those days it was led by the youth and i see our youth now becoming increasingly angry and i think we need to be careful i think we're sitting on a time bomb i really do and the fact that we're applauding the fact that for one second a few south africans held hands is to me a sad moment because 22 years later you know we don't even mix with each other Yes, we might hold hands when there's a flood, but we don't even mix with each other. We don't know each other. Well, I don't know if Ernst Rooster is still there because I've been trying to get him on. Ernst, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. I'm anxiously waiting for a while. Oh, okay. No, um, no, I think listening to, for example, to Terry when she speaks, um, every time she speaks about this, she talks about, about white people saying nasty things about black people. And yes, that's a problem, and we need to address it. But it's like looking at a picture of an, an elephant with a little sparrow on the back, and excuse the pun. And uh, when she talks, she talks about the sparrow that's sitting on, on, on the back of the elephant. We have a much bigger problem in South Africa. Uh, racism in itself is a social issue. Racism is not our biggest problem in South Africa. Education and crime and those type of issues. 
if those issues are addressed effectively, then racism would also, in effect, be addressed. But let me just how, say this. How so? Please, please make me understand. I'm not quite following your train of thought right now. I'm saying that racism is a symptom of a bigger problem. People in this country are angry. People are angry because of poverty. People are angry because of inequality and, and, and so forth. And, and, uh, and they're not angry because problems. of racism, and No, no, I'm, I'm saying if we simply say, if you say something racist, we're going to throw you in jail. But we're not fixing the education system. We're not fixing the crime problem. We're not fixing uh, the problem of bad, and, and, and of bad political leadership. Uh, we're only going to worsen and exacerbate the problem because we're trying to oppress something. It's like trying to put a band-aid over a broken leg. But nobody's uh, saying that, Ernst. Nobody yeah, that's is that's saying conflating that one two or the other issues there. Yes. No, 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 it is. Because there was, a recent study was done uh, among uh, government officials uh, where they had to rate, for example, what they believed the country's biggest problems were. And education was listed as, I think, like number 18 on, on the list. So I'm not saying that Terry or anyone who's in the studio is saying that we, we need to ignore the education system. But if you look at what's happening in the education system, if you look at, let me give you one example. Uh, when Jacob Zuma was campaigning to become president of South Africa, uh, Lulu, uh, not uh, Angie Macheco was MEC for education. She abandoned her post at the education department to start campaigning for the ANC. And when she was asked about this, she said that her work for the ANC is more important than her work at the Department of Education. Immediately thereafter, she was promoted to become the Minister of Education. Mm. So based on government priorities, we find that, that we're trying to have this quick fix and we have this very popular piece of legislation that's not going to solve the problem. It's going to make the problem far, far worse if we but, don't but, address but, but, the underlying problem. Uh, to echo the question that Terry is asking, what does that have to do with hate speech and hate crime? Well, let me answer your question like this. What we find in South Africa is that, that, that the government is finding it very difficult to differentiate between party and state. And the ANC is, a, is, a, is an active role player in terms of racism, and it should be. The ANC must be. But if this law becomes, uh, if this bill becomes a law, we will effectively find that, that the ANC will be a role player, but it will also be the referee, because the ANC doesn't differentiate between party and state. And what we find also is, is these gross, gross double standards and these gross inconsistencies views on racism in example. Uh, we, we talk about uh, white people saying offensive things, we talk about Penny Sparrow and so forth, but the ANC, the ruling party in this country, has argued that there's nothing wrong with singing Kill the Boo. We've had the Minister, uh, Minister Lulu Zinguana saying on international television that white Afrikaner men believe they can kill their But that is not true, Anz. That is not true. No, no, true. no, no, no. How can you say that's not true? It's reported it, all over the place. It isn't true. One, weren't there court cases to that effect? I mean, honestly, Anz, I, I mean, you, you, you know you're being disingenuous you right now. True? You know you're being you disingenuous. Nobody ever condoned. Nobody. It was never condoned, Ernst. That's what you are what, saying. What was never condoned? The I, singing no. of, for example, that song. It wasn't condoned. I think the Afri Forum is just using was, this opportunity was, to put forward their ideas about party and state. I, and I think he's totally off the plot. For two weeks, I saw the ANC uh, trying to argue that there's nothing wrong with singing Shoot the Bird. Um, it's reported. It's, it's no. reported in the Human no. Rights Commission. No. Report. It's reported in court cases. I, 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 I specifically vividly remember them even changing the, when they were singing the lyrics um, in actual fact to, to, to actually... 
prove that they had actually not condoned the singing of those lyrics in a democratic dispensation. So I'm no, not sure. Uh, with all due I'm not sure. Your I'm not sure. And uh, I was you know, there. I saw them. You can you can read the. Sakina, I don't know why you, we're giving Afri Forum a platform to put forward their <laughs> hateful views. Well, <laughs> and it's not even problem. on There's topic. Double standard. We talk about Penny Sparrow, and now we're saying. Uh, look, so, 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 are you saying, are you, are, are you then questioning, questioning the fact that every forum even is allowed to talk about racism? No, you that are here exactly because we want to hear your. But you're not talking about racism. You're talking about divisions between the party and the state. You're not to- talking about the topic. If you talked about no, no, the topic, no, no, Ernst, the we'd be able to have a discussion. Racism. Yeah. Look, yeah. Before you okay. interrupt me, if I can finish my point, I, I, I have a list of racist statements that have been made by cabinet ministers, by government officials, to the effect saying why all white people are criminals and they must be treated as such, as was said right in front of the state president when he ignored the statement. I can give you a long list of racist statements. So in, 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 in aid of racism, what is that, Ernst, are you trying to justify? No, no, no. What I'm, the point that I'm trying to make is that we are inconsistent when we talk about racism. We talk about Penny Sparrow calling black people monkeys, and I believe it's atrocious. It shouldn't have been said, and she must bear the consequences of that. But we have daily cases, you can go on Twitter right now, we have daily cases of black people, not all black people, some, a small group, calling for the extermination of white people. And when we have these discussions about racism, we don't talk about that. We only talk about white people saying offensive things towards black people. Uh, So we can be angry about people calling each other monkeys, and, and I'm angry about that too. But if 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 hate speech, if that is punishable according to this act by law, then half of cabinet would have to be punished and would have to would have to go to jail based on some of the extremely racist things that have been said by cabinet ministers. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Well, taking your calls now, 891 uh, We are talking um, about uh, the Department of Justice and uh, Constitutional Development extending the deadline for submissions of inputs for the prevention and combating of hate crimes and hate speech bill. And we want to hear your views on that this morning. Dave in East London, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and to your panel and to your listeners. Thanks for taking the call. Um, uh, first of all, let me just say I think it is a good thing that uh, more time is being given to consider the, the impact of what uh, this particular piece of legislation will achieve. And the reason I say that is because <clears throat> um, I'd just like to give you an example. I live in East London, which is uh, <clears throat> becoming quite a, a big, robust city these days. And uh, in my church, uh, I've been there, my particular church, for 35 years. And during that time, I've seen a a wonderful integration of different cultures, different uh, races, and different uh, people from different countries learn how to understand each other and how to walk across the other side of the church from your normal pew that you sit in to go and greet somebody of a different color, a different culture, and uh, from a different country. And... uh, we have had some little bumps along the way, but generally I can say that uh, there are some good news pockets of people who have made the effort to walk to, towards each other and to understand each other. Now, the point is this, that in a church environment, <clears throat> whether it is a Christian church or um, a Muslim uh, get-together or whatever the, the case may be, we generally share the same values. 
And our values in my church just happen to be biblical values. Uh, in a Jewish synagogue, that would be uh, values taught in the Torah and in a Muslim community in the Quran, just to use those three as an example. Now, generally, we would uh, support, no matter what our race or culture or country that we come from, we would support what we are being taught in terms of our religious freedom, our, our right to exercise religious freedom. My concern is that we have here in East London and in many places harmonious congregations who share the same values. And if we read from any of those scriptures, whether it be the Quran or the Torah or the Book of Mormon or the Bible, and God says that uh, he does not approve of abortion, and God's word says that uh, we should not um, legislate uh, homosexuality, for example, and make it okay. So, so, so what, what would be the point with regard to this particular bill then, Dave? I think the time that they're giving it needs to consider all of those factors. Because, for example, if a pastor or a minister or a religious leader reading from whatever uh, book he believes is God's word says to his congregation um, that we should not allow abortion in our country because we're killing a child. All right. Got you there, Dave. Tabo in Cape Town. Good morning. All right. Okay. Now, how are you? Well, and you, Tabo? I'm all right. Thanks. Um, I think this. I don't think trying to legislate racism out of place is going to work. The only way to get rid around to get around this problem is to economically emancipate black people in the country. The only reason why racism is working is because black people have been economically disenfranchised. Because if you look at this whole thing, it's all there's a power structure in it that for a person to be racist against you. You are in some way dependent on them. Let me give an example. You work and say your boss is white, right? That person has, can have the ability to be racist towards you, and you don't have the right to respond because you are indirectly dependent on them for your livelihood. So if you were independent in your livelihood, there was no way that you would tolerate racism to see the, to see the picture. So trying to go the legislative route, I don't think it's going to work. The only way that it's going to work is to economically emancipate black people. Then this thing will, this, this problem will fall away all by itself. Okay. Thanks, Tabo. In Cape Town, Mike in Middleburg, good morning. It, thanks, thanks for taking my call, Sakina. Uh, in concurrence with the last speaker, um, I think we agree, all of us, that the economic inequalities in South Africa has been basis for racism. And uh, we must ask ourselves, you know, some questions like, um, are we collectively doing enough to deal with economic inequalities? And can we say, for instance, that we are better off than we were 10 years ago? If the answer is no, then much as this bill is the right step in the right direction, but we must find ways and means to concurrently and effectively deal with the triple challenges. Then racism shall be history. Thanks, Mike in Middleburg. Eddie in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Um, I, I see you guys are getting waked up about Afri Forum. <laughs> Afri, Forum Afri Forum and Solidarity it shouldn't really make anyone get waked up. I'll tell you why. Because they are a fringe organization. Um, safe to say they've got a lot of money and support from Stellenbosch mm. where they come from. And their measure of poverty is the number of poor white people since 1994. So that tells you exactly in a nutshell who they are. But to give them airtime, yes, you must give them airtime because we need to give everyone. 
in South Africa. This is what we fought for to 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 give everyone a chance. Mm. The, my next point, Sakina, is this: um, to concur with the two callers that just um, called now. I think um, I've always asked a simple question: um, if you had to stop me from, um, or if you ask Ernstie himself whether he will report me to the Equality Court if I stopped him from coming and living in my shack in Kailicha, or he will report me if I stop him going into Tiger Valley or into Somerset West Mall. Ask him which one will make him report me. Um, I'm trying to put into perspective here the privilege and, 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 and the racism being a power issue and economics. Because if I stop you from coming to live in my shack, you won't, you won't mind because there's nothing in that shack. But if I stop you from going to Tiger Valley or Somerset, I'm stopping you from trying to look for a job and bettering yourself. Thank you so much. Eddie, I'm going to stop you there. And, of course, you know, uh, we, we will probably break it up and bring it back, you know, um, uh, discussing various other themes around this particular matter at a later point, seeing that the deadline for submissions has been extended. But we have to wrap it up now, and I'm going to give each of our panelists uh, some 30 seconds to do so. Mark, let me start with you. Remain calm at all times and try and do something constructive, um, no matter how... I know Terry wasn't happy about the human chain at Galulis, but it's a start. Um, I know Terry's me- mentioned the percentage of people, white people, integrate with black people at functions is 18%. I had it at 17.35, but I'll let Terry go away with that on 18. I think stay calm and try and be constructive for, for, the, for everybody all across the board, all ages, all colours, all creeds. And if you can laugh, have a laugh. Is Sanya Bournemouth? Uh, thanks, Sakina. I think that I want to just encourage everyone to go and have a look at the bill, um, to go and read what it says, to discuss it, to talk about it. We have an extension now until the end of, of January. And once the bill goes to Parliament, there will be a second round um, for public comments. And so there's plenty of time for us to discuss and debate. And I, and I really want to encourage all South Africans to, to have a look at it, to look at the wording and to get involved. And Sroots? Uh, thank you. Well, uh, we have instructed our legal team to look at the bill and to draw up a legal opinion about this bill and whether or to which extent it violates the right to freedom of expression. I think racism is a big problem and racism is something that must be addressed. Uh, but this bill is trying to put the cart in front of the uh, in, in front of the ox. Uh, it's it's a backwards way of trying to solve the racism problem. Simply trying to trying to criminalise. The, the end result of the problem while not looking at what is actually causing this problem. Let me go to Terry without responding to Anne's because I'm dying to say to you that I don't know whether you don't understand that part of the reason why we see uh, the sort of um, uh, inequality in education, for example, is as a direct result of divisive racial practices like apartheid. Do you not see that? But I'm not going there. Terry. <laughs> I was going to go there, but I'll also <laughs> shut up. I think that I want to support what Sonia was saying. I think as South Africans, we all have a responsibility to look into this bill while we still have time, to comment on it, to interact with it, um, and to, in our daily lives, understand that racism is not just about attitudes, but it's about the fundamental problems in our society to do with inequality and to do with land.
Well, we're going to leave it there. Let's call it part one of this particular discussion. Thank you so much to our guests this morning and to you, our listeners and the production team. It's just after nine. Greg Ho standing by with the latest news.